It was the usual Pentecost. Yeah, there had been some chatter about the events that took place at Passover. There's this guy named Jesus who who had died, and now there's this rumor going around that he had raised from the dead. But you know how rumors are, right? And in preparation for our time of worship at the temple, we had gone out and we had done our baptisms, our washings. Mikvah, the gathering, the gathering of water. And in order to worship, to be ceremonially clean, we went to these gatherings of waters. And what we did is we baptized ourselves so that we could be ceremonially clean to worship in the temple. But there was going to be something really different about this Pentecost. All of a sudden we heard this rushing wind. And you people in West Texas, you know what rushing wind sounds like, right? I mean, there was this rushing wind. And and all of a sudden we saw above these Jesus followers, these these tongues of fire. And, And the most amazing thing happened at that moment in time the most amazing thing that happened is is that they began to speak and they began to speak in our languages. Even though we had been gathered from far ends of the earth, we, we heard them speak and we heard them in our own language. Their message was very, very clear. And here's the message that they told us on this day. That this Jesus whom we killed, has now risen from the dead, and Jesus really was the Messiah, the one that we have been hoping for for thousands of years. And the painful part of this message is that we had killed the Messiah. And even though I wasn't there on Passover, and even though I didn't drive the nails into his hands and his feet, I killed Jesus because of my sins. And as we languished in this pain, this this horrible pain to realize that we had killed the Messiah, we asked these apostles, these disciples, these followers of Jesus, what should we do? And they said to us the most strange thing in the whole wide world. They said to us that we needed to go back to the pools. We needed to go back to the pools And we needed to be baptized again. That we needed to change our lives to repent and to be baptized. And the pools that ushered us, the pools that allowed us to be ceremonial and clean, were all of a sudden, they were going to usher us into a brand new forgiveness. A brand new forgiveness that came through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This baptism was new, again, because it was for the forgiveness of sins. And year after year, sacrifice after sacrifice, century after century, we have been waiting for this new forgiveness, this new forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. And because of his death and his burial and resurrection, we were going to experience forgiveness For the very first time, praise God for the Messiah. Acts chapter 2. 
Today we continue on in our Big Bang series. Last week, Monty introduced the Big Bang series, and I know that Kurt Martin almost came up out of his seat, but it was okay. Monty explained himself, but here's the thing. The Big Bang series is really about the Genesis, the beginning of the New Testament church, and today we want to talk about this. We want to talk about the new forgiveness that is found and that accompanies the New Testament church. There is several messages that we're going to be covering in this new series, the Big Bang series. Last week, Monty talked about the new power. The new power found in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the new forgiveness. The new forgiveness, though, that is found in Jesus at the point of our baptism. Last week, I was a little concerned Monty did a big no-no. He did not know he did a no-no. But he did a big no-no because he started talking about all the conversion stories in Acts. And I almost wanted to get up and say, would you stop stealing my thunder for this week? But here's the thing is, he didn't. He stopped just short of taking away all my material for this week. But here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at really two We're going to look at two conversion stories. We're going to look at the one in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at the one in Acts chapter 22. We're going to look at the day of Pentecost, and then we're going to look at the conversion of the Saul of Saul of Tarsus. Now today, as we deal with these two Bible narratives, we need to understand this. These two narratives, these two stories, these two passages of Scripture, they really describe what happens at our baptism. But you need to understand that every time you read about baptism in the New Testament, especially in this book of Acts, in the book of Acts, not the book of Acts, the Acts, or just let me just say Acts, all right? Every time you read about baptism in the book of Acts, on a whole, the majority, almost 99% of the time, it's talking about the new forgiveness, this new forgiveness that we have when we're baptized into Jesus Christ. This new forgiveness, there's, there's many facets to it. It's, it, it's just not, it's, it's a variety of concepts that what I want to do today is I want to take these variety of concepts, these, these multifaceted aspects of this new forgiveness and sort of put them all together for us to understand how precious and how wonderful it is to have this new forgiveness. And new forgiveness first means this. It means that we have a new identity. We have a new identity. The new forgiveness means we have a new identity. I want to let you know for the Jew, for those who were Jewish, lineage was everything. Have you ever wondered why there are so many lineages in the Bible? I mean, it's just all over the place, right? They're all over the place. And the reason is, is because identity was so critical to the life of the Jew. It was so critical because it let them know who they were. It let them know that they were from the tribes of Israel and that they were from the faithful seed of Abraham. And as it goes on and on and on. But here's what happened to those who were baptized Those who were baptized, as we see in Acts 2 and all the way through this big bang, the New Testament church, here's what was happening. 
They were experiencing a brand new identity. And what was happening to them was, even though they had been Jews in their physical heritage, all of a sudden what was happening to them is that they were receiving a new identity. They were receiving a spiritual identity, a spiritual heritage. And it changed at the point of their baptism. And it changed because their baptism was in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to let you know that that in the name of Jesus Christ may be really, and I don't mean this bad, may be inconsequential to us. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but we really say in the name of Jesus a lot, don't we? At the end of every prayer we go, in the name of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus. And what we may not understand was how huge this was for the Jew to hear this and understand this on the day of Pentecost, in the name of Jesus. It meant so much more to them. I know it means something to us, but it was huge for them back there because here's what was going on. When they were baptized into the name of Jesus... It meant that they were doing this intentional act act which acknowledged the authority of Jesus Christ. Not only did it acknowledge the authority of Jesus Christ, but what it did to be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, it meant that they were going to give their total allegiance to Jesus from this time on. It had power. It had significance to be baptized into the name of Jesus. Turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Acts twenty-two sixteen, Paul will say this, or Ananias will say this to Saul. And now get up. Now, now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Every time I read this verse, I had this idea that the calling on his name was this verbal response. And we, we've sort of made it out that way, right? Calling on his name. We've made it out to this verbal response. And, and I'm sure there was some verbal response, but as you look at this calling on his name, it has more to do with the identity the new identity we have in Christ, rather than any verbal response that we make, to call on his name means that we are putting on the name of Jesus, that we are going to be surnamed after him. It means that we are going to be named upon Jesus. It means that we are going to be named after Christ. And calling on his name is this. What's happening here at this moment in time what I'm actually saying in this faith act, when I'm baptized into Jesus, I'm putting on a new identity. The identity of Jesus Christ. At that moment of faith, when I go down into the waters of baptism, and I say, Jesus, you do what you said you'd do at this, I receive a brand new identity. And the identity is that of Jesus Christ. Paul would say this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. A little bit later on in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, Paul will say this. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, that we are all one in Christ Jesus. 
I want you to know my name is Bill Tracy, and when I, and when I get in real big trouble with Betty and used to be my mom and my dad, it was William Dale Tracy. I mean, we all have the full name, right? Okay? And when I heard William Dale Tracy, I knew I was in big trouble. But I want to let you know today, I want to let you know what my true identity is. I am Christian. I am Christian. And if we've been baptized into Jesus Christ, by faith, that's what we say today. Yeah, we're called by different names, right? The names that our parents gave us. But who we really are, our true identity is this. I am Christian. Let's say that together. I am Christian. It's my new identity. And that's what happens in this new forgiveness that was experienced on the day of Pentecost. Not only do I have a new identity, but I have a new lease on life. I have a new lease on life. And, and here's what we need to understand. There is this reality about sin that is, actually, that is so horrible. And here's the reality, and that is sin makes us a slave. And over and over again, Scripture is going to bear out this fact that sin is slavery. Listen to some of these verses. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 34, I tell you the truth, everyone who sinned is a slave to sin. Romans chapter 6 and verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed a form of teaching which you were entrusted. And we went from being a slave to sin to a slave of righteousness. Or how about this? Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am spiritual, sold as a slave to sin. And if I'm going to experience this new forgiveness, I have to experience the release and bondage from the imprisonment of sin. And I want you to know the release and the pardon is found in the waters of baptism. That's what Peter says when he says, for the remission of your sins. He's saying, I want to let you know I'm going to give you a new lease on life. You will no longer be bound by sin and, the, and slavery that comes from sin. In Acts chapter 2, there's this aspect to this new forgiveness. This new forgiveness that we find in Christ at our baptism. And that is this. It is a, listen to these words, it is a complete forgiveness. And you've got to understand how huge this was to those who were underneath the old law. Because year after year, and celebration after celebration, they would offer these sacrifices over and over again. And it was just never enough. And it was a constant reminder over and over again that they were, in, they were bound and they were enslaved to sin. But here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing about this new forgiveness. It's this concept of complete forgiveness. That they didn't have to sacrifice over and over. That once they were baptized into Jesus Christ, they were completely forgiven. I 
I don't think we struggle with complete forgiveness as they did because of the animal sacrifices, right? That's just not a part of who we are. But I'm not so sure that we don't struggle with the concept and the idea of complete forgiveness. And today, here's what I want to let you know. That if you're in Jesus, you have the remission of sins. You are completely forgiven. And that there's no sin at this time, if you're in Christ, that's hanging over your head. And so today, if you're struggling with the guilt of your sin, and this is constantly hanging over you, But if by faith you've been immersed into Jesus Christ, let me tell you today, you are completely forgiven. Release your heart from this guilt. Not only do we have a new identity and not only do we have a new lease on life, but we have a new cleaning. We have a new cleaning. I've talked a little bit about this, but when people would go into to worship at the temple, they always had to bathe, to baptize, to ceremonially wash. It was just a requirement. And so there was this cycle that was going on. You must wash in order to worship. You must wash in order to worship. You must wash in order to worship. And over and over and over again, you had this cycle Because you were never really clean underneath the old law. You were never clean underneath the old law. But the big bang of the New Testament church means a new forgiveness. It means a new cleansing. It's a cleansing that means this. You don't have to repeat this over and over and over again. Again, I refer back to Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name. So what did Ananias mean when he told Saul, I want you to wash away your sins? He says this, when you're baptized into Christ, you are washed fully. You are totally washed clean. It means this, there's this washing that completely removes sin from our lives and the dead of sin out of God's sight. And there's this beauty to being clean before God. The first thing is this. The Hebrew writer will say that because of the blood of Jesus Christ and because of being clean before Him, we are able to go into the, into the throne room of God, standing clean before God, and we could go into the throne room of God, and we could ask God for whatever we want, and He hears us. He doesn't look at us as dirty or stained. He looks at us as completely clean because of what Jesus did and because of my faith. At the moment when I was baptized and I said, Jesus, you do what you said you do at this moment in my life. And that is to make me clean. Not only do we have prayer, but again in Hebrews, the Hebrew writer will say that this cleanliness, this cleanness that comes because of the blood of the Lamb, that we could wholeheartedly serve God. Show me a person who's wholeheartedly serving God and I'll show you a clean person. I'll show you a clean person. And there's just this beauty that comes 
There's this beauty that comes from being clean before God. Not only do we have a new cleansing, but we also have a new God residing. Now, understand how, how revolutionary this was. If you were to ask a Jew back on the day of Pentecost, where is God? Here's what that person would say. He's right over at the temple. Where is God residing? God is residing at, in the temple. Specifically, he is in the holiest holies. And once a year, the high priest goes in there and goes into the presence of God. And so, if, again, if you were to ask them, where does God reside? It was always at the temple. And here's the reason why. The Holy Spirit was never, ever promised to those who were underneath the law. Obeying the law, there was never this promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only became accessible after the day of Pentecost when God poured out the Holy Spirit on all humanity. And when I'm baptized into Jesus Christ, not only do I receive the forgiveness of sins, but I receive God residing in me. Now, in a couple weeks, Monty is going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. This is a perfect time for me to just ruin your sermon, right? <laughs> Do you give me permission, man? No, you don't. You don't. You're lying right now. <laughs> but let me just say this. This new forgiveness. This new forgiveness means this, that God resides in us through the Holy Spirit. And today... If somebody says, where does God reside? We don't go like this. And we don't point over to Jerusalem, wherever Jerusalem would be. We go right here. Right here. That's where God resides. Right here. Just like We didn't experience firsthand this big bang of the genesis of the New Testament church. Doesn't mean that we can't fully appreciate it, though. And, and i got to let you know that there are times when I really wish I could have been around, right? Don't you wish you could have been there physically on the day of Pentecost? That would have been a good day, wouldn't it? But here's the point. I may not be able to see the day of Pentecost with my physical eyes, but my eyes of faith says this. I could still believe and I could still appreciate what happened on that day and what happened in Acts chapter 22. But I think for us there is there needs to be this rekindling for us. There needs to be this rekindling of this new forgiveness. And I think it's time for us to rekindle the appreciation we have for the new forgiveness that we find in the New Testament at the beginning of the New Testament church. The Big Bang, the Genesis. I think here's what happens. Age, exposure just to this world, life struggles, temptations, sin, have this way of, of dulling or eroding, eroding our senses to this great gift that we have, this great gift of this new forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. And so today I want to suggest just a couple of things to help us to rekindle, 
to reignite this new forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. This new forgiveness that we have when we're baptized, we're immersed into Jesus Christ. And the first thing I would just tell us is this. We need to remember. We must remember. And we have to remember two really significant points in our lives. And these points are found, if you go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, you find this. And Paul, in, in his letters to us, he will repeatedly say this over and over again. And here's what he says. I want you to remember what it was like to be outside of Christ. And then he doesn't leave us there. He goes, now I want you to remember what it's like to be in Christ. And the great journey, the great journey that has happened because you were at once outside of Christ and now you're in Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about this? What would your life be if you weren't a Christian? That is a shuddering question, isn't it? Project your life out. Project your life out. Thinking that you weren't a Christian. Can you imagine? I don't want to. But I don't have to because of the new forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. The other thing I would just say to us is, not only do we need to remember where we came from, where we were and where we came from, but the other thing is, let's remember the importance of communion. Let's never, ever take it for granted. Here's this. Communion means something. This morning, it, it meant something. Thanks for leading us. It, it meant something. And it's important for us, through communion, on, as this weekly reminder of the new forgiveness we enjoy in Christ. Finally, in this new remembrance, here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you've only been a Christian for a week, or you've been a Christian for 60 or 70 years, here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Write down your baptism story again. Recall what was going on. Recall where it was. Recall every, every aspect to it. But more importantly, recall what God did through your life at that moment in time. And cherish, relish in this new forgiveness that we have. The second thing I would suggest as far as as reigniting or rekindling that fire in us is to do this is we got to share remember last week what Monty shared with us that picture the picture of this map and and we saw that the the genesis the big bang the new testament church had this reverberation that just went out all over the place in in acts chapter 1 and verse 8 it is the key verse to understanding acts it says this, Jesus says to them, and now you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the point being is this, that we were never meant to keep this new forgiveness to ourselves. We were meant to freely share that. And listen to this statement. In whatever way, and whatever world, and whatever words you want to do, just share Christ's forgiveness with those around you. 
It's just this point, if we will remember and if we'll share, we'll rekindle this new forgiveness because of the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as I conclude today, it really is just one question, right? It just boils down to just one question. And the one question is this, have you been immersed? Have you been baptized into Jesus Christ? Did you come out of that, that waters of baptism by faith and for the forgiveness of your sins? Have your sins been pardoned your sins washed away? Not a baptism for membership, not a baptism because it's what everybody else was doing, but you calling on the name of the Lord, you saying to God by faith, do what you said you'd do at this moment in time and offer me, give me, pour into my life this new forgiveness. And if you've not been baptized, then here's the one thing I need to say to you. Don't delay. Don't leave here today not accepting the new forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's stand and sing.